Looking to start a business? Owner gives you the tools you need to get started today. Trusted by companies like RBC, Futurepreneur, and the City of Toronto, Owner enables Canadian entrepreneurs to start, manage, and grow their business. Right now, Owner is offering their sole proprietor registration for just $49. I used Owner to register my business back in 2020, and it was so easy to do. When I make the move to incorporate, I am definitely going through Owner. Find out how easy it is to start your business today at callanbrecken.com forward slash owner. That's O-W-N-R, or click the link in the show notes. Now, let's get on to today's episode. Welcome to the Business Gay Podcast, where we talk about all things business, marketing, and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Callum Brecken, and on today's episode, I have the founder and CEO of Gay Water, Spencer Hoddison. Now, if you don't know what Gay Water is, it is what the gays have been calling a vodka soda for pretty much generations. Why? Because us vain queens like to get drunk, but we want zero of the calories of doing it. So our trusted go-to has always been the good old gay water. Now, today's guest had the idea to literally can it and then sell it to the gays. Personally, I think it's genius marketing. Give the gays what they want, right? Spencer is responsible for managing the company's overall operations, including product development, production, distribution, marketing, sales, PR, and more. Damn, that is what I call a busy gay. Founded in January 2022, Gaywater is a mission-driven business with a goal to create representation for the LGBTQ community on shelves. I absolutely love this, and I'm so excited to jump in today with Spencer, so let's get to it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Spencer, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It is a bit of a cloudy, rainy day here in Toronto. But other than that, pretty magical, pretty magical. So we're going to be talking all about. Okay, let me just start here. I can't believe somebody hadn't already bottled this. But the fact (laughs) that you took like such a decades long like saying and bottled it. I'm just genuinely shocked nobody else had taken it. Like what work did you do to find out? if anybody else had tried to do this before? Um, that's a good question. I, I did trademark search, uh, of course. That's that's always the first place to go if you're trying to start a business. Um, can't tell you how many people I've heard of that have come up with a name and then gone and done some of the work and then realized, oh shit, someone trademarked this already. Um, so that was the first place. There were there were actually a couple. Um, I think there were two trademarks for Gay Water that were dead. And then one that was actually live. Um, so kind of a, a quick backstory on it. Um, I actually didn't have the trademark. I ended up uh, reaching out to the person, or actually the person who had the trademark actually reached out to me um, and uh, ended up purchasing from him. Um, It turns out he was actually a straight guy uh, who was planning on doing a bottled water, bottled like electrolyte water um, called gay water. One word had nothing to do with the colloquialism um, and and was going to be, selling water and uh i think his plan was to give like half of the proceeds to a nonprofit. um i don't remember which one i don't remember if he had decided which one um he ended up abandoning the idea uh throughout like 
COVID and was just kind of sitting on the trademark. Um, but yeah, that, that was the first, the first place that I went early on, um, to, to see if, you know, someone had, someone had thought of it, if this was even a feasible idea. That's wild. And the fact that it was, of course, it was a straight guy who, and then of course he was just like, oh no, that was just the name. Like, why would you pick that name? And then just do absolutely nothing with it. Yeah. Listen, like he, kudos to him. He was a, he was a good person. We, uh, he ended up basically giving it to me at cost, um, recognizing that like what I was trying to do was something for the community. It wasn't like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, you know, sit on it and hold it ransom. Um, so he, yeah. He oh, that's good. Nice guy. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That makes me happy. So tell me what was the aha moment where you're like, oh, I need to like can this. Um, I would say the aha moment, uh, the aha moment was actually, I was with a friend um, and I had, I had kind of thought of the idea um, before this moment, but I, I had ordered a vodka soda. I was with a straight friend and I turned to her and I was like, Hey, have you ever heard of the term gay water? And she was like, I don't know whether, you know, it's because my family members are part of the community or I went to NYU and all of my friends are, but like, I know exactly what this is. Um, and to me, that was understanding that like, it wasn't just like a, like you, uh, what sort just like niche term that the community, some members of the community use and like that there was some element of this has more recognition than I thought. Um, that I think sort of propelled me a little bit to be like, huh, light bulb maybe maybe i should start socializing this maybe I, sh I should start gathering research data insights and seeing if like the term is recognized if it's something that you know people would understand inherently and yeah that, that was kind of that was kind of the where the seed was planted not necessarily the like light bulb but that was the moment the moment where you're like okay let's let's start doing a little bit of research on this and to see if this is even something feasible that i can do yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, I mean, I had no beverage experience as well, so part of that research was like really digging into the nuance of of the beverage space and understanding, you know, how how canned beverages have done in the past, how the market was looking, um, really understanding uh, what the queer community looks like in the beverage space, and um, so the the research was not, you know, just sitting on that name and being like, huh, maybe this is a good idea, but really understanding holistically, like what the space looks like. And if a product like this for this community could, could operate in the space, um, which spoilers, it was, it was kind of one of those things where no matter how much research I did, because there isn't a product out like this out in market, um, there was really no way of knowing, uh, yeah it was a lot of looking at sort of macro trends and, and uh, hopefully not too much like on the opposite side, like cognitive, cognitive dissonance between like, you know, what's believed and, and how people actually act because, you know, you can read so much research, but people, people say things that they don't necessarily then action on. So, yeah. Um, and so, we yeah, all know, even, even in that, yeah, we all know the gay community can be very fickle. 
<laughs> so had you ever true. had you ever brought a product to market like this before? Like, did you have experience in that, or this was your first product to market? First product to market, um, unless you consider the lemonade stand that I'm sure many people had when they were younger. That was my first unique product. Uh, I will never divulge that uh, lemon to water to sugar ratio. Okay. All right. I was going to say, okay. That was my first beverage foray. Oh, hilarious. So you have four flavors. You decided to go all in. You created everything. You have four flavors. Yes. Did you have any major challenges that you faced when you were originally bringing this product to market? Like what was the biggest kind of things that you were like, oh shit, I don't know about this. Or like that you're just like, oh, I didn't expect this. Um, it's a good question. I would say the, uh, it's less, I don't know, or didn't expect, but the, the manufacturing process in, in the beverage space is, is crazy. I mean, <laughs> I, if there was an issue, I ran into it. Um, which was expected, right? Like first time founder, first time in beverage. Um, I was I was expecting this to feel, uh, or I was expecting there to be hurdles and challenges. I think the uh, the biggest challenge that I kind of faced was like not being able to control the things you can't control, right? Like it doesn't matter how detail oriented, organized, on top of people you are at the end of the day, like part of this process is out of your hands. Um, and it's in the hands of, uh, you know, the, the vendors that you work with. Um, so definitely ran into a, a ton of challenge on, on that side. Um, I, I think the, I'm trying to think of like the biggest kind of, I didn't know um, challenge that I ran into. Uh, I would say the the one the one thing that a lot of founders don't talk about, especially like solopreneurs, is is kind of the un, the unsexy of it all. The idea that um, you know the work itself, of course, is challenging and demanding, but there's this whole emotional component that I feel like people don't really talk about that I didn't prepare myself as much for, which is like the constant state of anxiety, the, the imposter syndrome, the, uh, you know, the, the sort of sleepless nights I've, I've historically been like a eight, nine hour sleeper. And now I wake up at like six thirty seven with just like, just for my anxiety. And like my head is spinning and working and I'm not even like awake yet. I'm in just this state of like almost, uh, you know, subconscious, half sleep half worry um so I think that that was like for sure uh sort of an unexpected challenge that that I've you know had to basically go up against every day yeah that and that's very fair I actually um recently just had Case and Crane on the podcast who you know um and we talked about this in our episode how like mental health was a big factor of it that he hadn't really thought about before and then you get into this world and you're like oh okay <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. um, okay I also need to hire a therapist as well as all these other things yes yeah. um yeah I, I, particularly for solopreneurs I would say um you just you know you don't have a co-founder to 
balance out some of those, <laughs> some of that anxiety to take on some of the brunt of it, um, especially early on when, uh, you know, if, if you're not a well-funded startup and you can't immediately hire a team, um, you're just putting all of that stress and, uh, and anxiety on yourself. Um, so that's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely a big one. Um, and I can only imagine like trolls on the internet add to the stress. Oh, so especially nothing. with a, with a brand like gay water, how has the trolling been? Um, it's been interesting for sure. Uh, I, I prior to this had a little bit of my own thing in the social media space. So I had, I had gotten, I had learned very quickly to have thick skin and not worry about what the trolls say, because um, I think maybe you commented this on my post the other day uh, when I, I had posted about kind of getting some trolling Um but, but it, it very much echoes true. Like the way that I approach trolling is if people are commenting on the post, that means they're engaging with the post. That means like the algorithm then continues to prioritize that post and show it to people who are like-minded to them potentially, um, which then perpetuates more trolling. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's an old adage, but like all press is good press, right? Like when we launched, we had probably just as much conservative press that was pretty negative uh, as we did, you know, more mainstream and then liberal press that was more positive. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, the Benny Johnsons of the world who made, he has like a million subscribers on YouTube and made a nine minute video about gay water. Like, I guarantee you out of those million followers, like not everyone who is conservative and following him necessarily has the same views on the community as he does. So um, I'm sure there's conservative people that are part of the community that were following him that may have purchased the product. So in, in my eyes, I mean, all press is good press, right? Like the negative, the negative perpetuates it even further. Um, And even if, even if like, you know, Lady Gaga, there's 99 people in the room. <laughs> you do there's not. A, <laughs> there's a, if there's 99 conservatives in the room, there's maybe one that would buy the product. So, uh, right. you know, it's, it's good that it's reaching them as well. You know what? Sometimes money's money. And sometimes, especially in that world, those communities they might have all the things they say outwardly, but in the background, they're like, mm, potential for making millions and millions of dollars. Like, I mean, that's not how I run business, but like, I can see it and that happens. Yeah. You never know um, who's in the room. Yeah. It's, it's less even from like, like a fiscal perspective and more from just like, I'm sure there, there's a silent minority of folks in that, in that, you know, political mindset that are part of the community and and see the product and feel you know uh represented and and feel you know that the product speaks to them and and end up purchasing the product or quietly following the brand um so you know i think it's i think it's important that it's important to be said that like trolling is not necessarily a bad thing as long as the 
business, the folks involved in the business themselves aren't being necessarily threatened or, uh, or, um, you know, put in the line of fire. Yeah, like no, like personal attacks and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So I can only imagine that that kind of stuff does add to the stress and like not having a big team, not having like, you know, people to depend on and rely on. Are there any like mentors that have helped kind of guide you, especially since like solopreneurship, we talked about how that's a bit of a lonely road. You surely have to have had some sort of mentors that have helped you through this and be like, ignore the haters or like go in this direction or, you know, what's that? Yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple advisors, um, one who's more of like a part-time CFO financial advisor who's been, who's been great. Um, one who's, uh, a, a, like a beverage rock star. Um, she's very well known in the beverage space who is, who's been guiding. I would say on like, on, on like the comms and social side, like not really, I come from a, a brand marketing background, uh, a social background. So um, I I had a lot of folks in my network who I do go to for sort of individual feedback or support or ideas. Um, but yeah, not not necessarily like on the trolling. Like I said, because I per- like I personally had a background of kind of putting myself out on the internet. Um, I definitely developed a, a thick skin very quickly and and sort of figured out some some of those like uh ways to qualify the hate like I just said you know you when you think about it objectively like the more hate you get the further your video goes right the the uh those types of um sort of qualifiers I think have helped me just honestly ignore it none of it's like none of it's personal right like at the end of the day I don't know these people they don't they don't know me like why am I what I wouldn't put weight into um, anyone's opinion when I don't know them on a human level. So, yeah. And then, but then there's also the good parts where it's like, then you're like secret, like warriors come and like come back at them at the comments. And you're just like, Oh, the people it's my who love favorite thing. It's my, that is my favorite thing in the world is watching like, like two people go at it in the comments and just go back and forth. Um, because it's, 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 to me, it's like, uh, it's a validator that I've put something out there that is a conversation starter, right? It is something that is, is rife, ruffling some feathers, um, and it's creating discourse. And I, I think like, that's part of the reason of creating a brand called Gay Water, right? It's, it's meant for folks to see it in an aisle and have discourse, um, and hopefully the more conversation that's had, the closer to acceptance, to representation, to tolerance that we can get for the community. Right. It's a conversational piece, especially like even if you just had it on your table and like people came over, they're like, wait, what? What is this? Like, you know, every gay at any party that had never seen it before, if they see one can will be like, hold the phone. Somebody actually canned this. Like, <laughs> it's definitely a conversational piece and it's a new brand. And so you started not that long ago. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the successes that you've had. So from like launch till now, what are some of the amazing successes that you've had that you're really proud about? Yeah, um, like so many. It's been such a short period of time and it's it's very uh, exciting that the brand has had so much momentum. Um, 
I would say some of the successes we were, uh, we were the biggest first launch of any brand that works that our uh, sort of third party online vendor has worked with. So we use a, a vendor that helps us to enables us and helps us to ship our product across the country. So we're um, able to ship to 47 states. We were the, their biggest um, first brand launch uh, and they, they represent a, a good amount of brands. So that was, that was really great. We, uh, our launch garnered over 800 million press impressions. We uh, we had a big CNN business article that sort of anchored a lot of our press and uh, we were even trending on CNN.com for the day that we launched, which was, I mean, I I had a minor, minor freak out, but good freak out. Um, within like a week or so, we had gotten accepted into Total Wine um, which is one of the biggest uh, liquor chains in the country. Um, so that was that was a huge win. Uh, after two weeks, I, I kind of on a whim applied for Walmart's open call program, um, you know, with two weeks worth of revenue uh, and a dream. And they accepted us. And I flew to Bentonville a couple weeks ago and pitched Walmart and Sam's Club. Um, so that was that was a wild experience. Um, what other crazy ones have we had? Um, yeah, just like a lot of a lot of great momentum. I mean, uh, you know, we were what a little almost actually. What's that? Yesterday was four months since our launch. We launched July twentieth. Um, I mean, our community has grown to uh, over one hundred thirty thousand members between social media followers, email lists, um, folks who you know. Uh, we have a platform that helps us crowdsource like store requests. Um, so those folks as well, uh, which is pretty crazy um, just given that there's so many other notable brands out there. And uh, weird to say that we have like more social followers than a brand that's been around for like eight years. Um, but it is such a young brand with more of a two-way dialogue with the consumer than I think a lot of other brands that are out there. Um, you know, this isn't the the early to mid 2000s or 2010s anymore where, you know, a brand will just treat social media like it's a one-way street. And it's like, it's it's almost like they're sending, it's not, it's on the email. You're not talking at me. Like it's social media, you're talking with me. So um, it's been really rewarding to see that we've been able to kind of connect with so many folks and, and be able to kind of have a dialogue with them. Um, and really think, like go, yeah, go I was going to say, do you think that that has come from your experience in being in social media before you started the brand? So you carried that into the brand with you? A bit. I, I think, I think understand like my, my own knowledge, just like understanding how the platforms work, how audiences are sort of different based on the platform or based on the different social platforms. Um, that, that definitely set the groundwork to it, but I think the brand itself being able to have much more of like an, an unleaded like approach to it and an un tethered rather like you know we'll go places that other brands won't um you know folks folks will comment like you know really negative things and we'll just clap back like the other day we had someone being like 
being like, I, I, I'm sure these taste awful. And I was like, unfortunately they don't taste like ass. Um, like th those types of things, like, because, <laughs> because we're able to, you know, be a little bit more unhinged and, and more, uh, more topical, more part of the, the, we have an audience and we have a community and we can talk like them. We can talk with them. Um, I think it's, I think it's very different than, you know, some of, some of these brands that launch with a traditional marketing agency that they create a brand identity and they create a tone guide. Like, trust me, I, I used to work at, you know, one of the biggest brands in the world on the brand team. Um, we, you know, worked with, huge 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 um branding agencies and it's always how do we operationalize and i think that's where brands go wrong is when you operationalize you immediately refer like you know defer back to brands of their like of the older days where it's like there's a style guide, there's a tone of voice, there's brand stringent brand identity guidelines, and you kind of lose the fun, place, playful personality of the brand. Um, so I think that's, that's something that's really worked in our favor is, you know, using social media to be able to be that frontline mouth, mouthpiece for the brand and be able to speak on social in a way that's not linear or expected honestly um we don't have like canned responses that we answer people with like everything is individualized as as for as long as we have the resources and are able to you know be individualized right um but it's it's all it, it all comes from a person it's not like a, a chat gpt yeah. response to think... everyone do you think that that, you know, coming from more of like a very solo entrepreneur bootstrappy vibes has given you the freedom in order to be able to do that? And do you think that like small businesses have more of that capability because they don't have to answer to the big power ups that, you know, be? Oh, absolutely. Um, having come from like a few big corporate jobs, I, I see like I know firsthand how much red tape and how bureaucratic it can be, how many approvals things need, if it needs to go through a legal team, who's going to give you, you know, oh, wait a week and then give you feedback. One is that, you know, we can be nimble and, and move a lot quicker. We don't have time delays in, in those approvals and, and feedbacks. Um, but also uh, the idea of, uh, just being, I guess, just being quicker. Uh, yeah. I, that's probably the only one is, yeah. is just being able to be quicker and make decisions faster um, because there's less folks involved. So, okay. Looking at all that and looking back on everything that you've done, is there anything, if you were going to give advice to somebody listening to this, who's looking to start something or maybe physical product or whatever, looking yeah. back, is there anything you would have done differently? Oh, a million things. But I think at the end of the day, I come from the school of thought that everything is a learning experience, right? Like, I don't, I think if I had made, if I, if someone had, if someone had given me the, all of the answers that I needed early on, I would have made different mistakes. I think that there's no, there's no perfect path to anything. You're always going to 
look back on something and wish you changed something. I, I personally, the best advice I can give someone um, starting any product, any business is don't look back, like genuinely. Of course, you can gather some learnings on how to move forward based on what your past. Um, but I think that the best thing you can do is course correct and continue to move forward and solve, especially as a solopreneur where you don't have, you don't have the time and you don't have the resources to like look back and see how you did something wrong necessarily and dwell on the past. You have to move forward. Um, I would say like, you know, keep moving forward and, and trial and error is like your best friend. I think we're, we're entering a time where, I mean, I think TikTok kind of pioneered it. Like, like everything, unless, unless you're working on like medication or something that truly is, you know, life threat, like can affect people's lives. Um, everything feels or, or everything, not everything is so serious, right? Like don't scrutinize marketing copy to like make it the most perfect, you know, iteration of something when 90% of the time, like a consumer is just going to breeze by it and they'll look at the picture and not read the copy or they'll, they'll see one big word and move on. Um, I think the more, the more you try to make your business perfect, the longer it's going to take for you to get to it actually being in a place where you're happy. I fully agree. I think so much of it is the journey and the like revamping, revising, growing, like that growth part of that journey informs so much of what's happening that it's like you have to make those learning mistakes in order to learn and grow from them to make things better and evolve and grow. And you can't do that without getting customer feedback, without going through the journey. It can't it can't be perfect to start off with because then you have nowhere to grow to. So just baking 100%. that into your business, you know, okay, this is where I'm happy to start here and know that it's going to change and evolve and grow and be okay with that. But a lot of people don't have that mentality. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that sometimes it's hard to just like relinquish, right? Like you never want to put something out that isn't a hundred percent exactly what you wanted um and I had to learn that really early on that if I didn't put something out there that was like a 92 or a 93 percent I probably wouldn't have a product at market today like I would still be working on it I would still be fine-tuning um and at the end of the day it's like you know when you were in grade school and high school and you took a test like you didn't always get a hundred percent like you you came to terms with the fact that oh like a B plus was good or, or, an, or a, an A minus was good. Um, and, and you move forward and you tried to do better on the next test. And, you know, I think we all want to strive for perfection, but at the end of the day, uh, if you, perfection isn't sort, perfection isn't like the best possible outcome. Um, because I think once you like, everyone experiences this. Once you've completely closed the door on a project, you have like a little bit of a high and then immediately the next day, you're just like at this low and you're like, what do I do now? Um, and I think that's 
that's why I've, I've kind of strived to continue climbing and learning and growing and you have your dips, but then you, you come back up and you continue to grow um, rather than like you, you create one goal and you hit that goal and then you have the drop off and then there's another goal and then, you know. Yeah. I, I much prefer to think about like, yes, there are goals and outcomes, but I don't focus on those goals and outcomes. I know that those are a byproduct of the work and the journey. And so I'm constantly just focusing on like next step, next step, next step, because I know that those things are going to come along with that. And if people spent more time on actually just enjoying the journey and enjoying the work that goes into it, that is your life. Like that's what your life is. hundred percent. So hundred percent. Yeah. You're going to have you, more you miss fun. out on life. Truly. Um, I've started like taking uh like monday mornings where i take a pause um you know when i wake up in the morning because normally it would be start of the week i would have so much anxiety and you know getting ready for the week and my new sort of uh, routine is that i take you know a, an hour and a half two hours in the morning um and i just write down all of the things that like happened in the last week that i'm grateful for and what i'm looking forward to um and it's really helped ground me and and it's also helped recognize and and uh take gratitude for how how far I've come along um at each step because I think if I didn't do that I would just like we were just saying I would just keep going and I would oh, just yeah. I would just keep moving forward without uh you know experiencing and and taking gratitude for the the sort of journey yeah, it's the constant seeking of the next thing instead of just sitting in the moment of like what you actually did. I do gratitude journal every night before I go to bed. And I just kind of write down like a couple of amazing. things of like what happened that day. And sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot that this amazing thing happened today. And just remind yourself of that good stuff that happened. Yeah, I feel like we need more of that. No more like less social media distraction, more more Brene Brown yeah (laughs) more Brene Brown (laughs) honestly so I don't I don't need to be real I need like be journaling yeah right a Um, reminder once a day to write one sentence down that would be better than taking a picture exactly it should be in your calendar to do write something down that I'm grateful for today absolutely Um, so where can everybody find out more about gay water or where can they get gay water on the shelves? So right now we are, I, I mentioned a little earlier, we ship to 47 States. We, so we'll ship directly to, to folks homes. Um, that I would say is uh, it's an interesting approach because most people don't buy alcohol online, right? You go to your liquor store. Um, we, we, found it very important to have uh, direct consumer shipping just for folks who live in parts of the country because it's only available in the U.S. right now where they might not have access to, to queer community. So really important that we've like democratized access to this product so that folks can can have it in their home and create queer spaces in their home. Um, so we ship to 47 states. Um, we're available in New York, New Jersey, very soon in California. Um, we're in all the total wines in New York and New Jersey, uh, as well as a, a bunch of other like independent uh, retailers, you know, liquor stores and uh, a couple bars. Um, we're working on building out those, those sales channels. Um, 
And then, like I said, soon to be California. Um, we'll be in, I think, three total wines in LA, one in the San Diego area, um, and and just really focusing on for the next couple of months on those markets and and building community in those areas, um, working on uh, really engaging with customers on the ground before we kind of dominate the world. Awesome. World and dominations where, next. Where can people find that? Is there a website that they can go to? Yes, uh, gaywater.com. We have a we have a looking tab. Um, and that is where all of our uh, retail locations are listed. Uh, we have a map there, um, as well as a request form, uh, which is really important. Um, we, I, I think I mentioned earlier, we used a platform called WeStock, um, which connects us, uh, like which allows for consumers to sort of cross crowdsource where they want to see the product. It's great for us because it allows us to sort of visualize like, okay, here are the markets that we need to be in. Here are the specific areas that we need to target. We're able to let customers know when we do stock those stores and have product in their area. Um, so definitely uh, if if there isn't product in your area, if you don't want to pay for shipping, totally get it. But, you know, request request as many stores as possible and we'll do our best to get there. Fantastic. And I'm very excited for eventually when you do make it into the Canadian market. I will be yes. one of the first people in Toronto. And next time I'm down the States, either in California or in New York, I'm definitely going to have to pick up a box. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is fantastic. And I just oh, want to wish you well on like your journey. I think this is a great product, great marketing, great look, all of it. It's it's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll be in Canada soon. Um, there might be some some news about that coming in the next couple of months. Um, but yeah, abs uh, absolutely. Um, I'll have to send you some because I I can I can send it to you. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully there's no there's no one in law enforcement listening to this. Um, but yes, we have to get you some to try. Magical, awesome. Thanks so much, Spencer. All right, so if you want to get yourself a case of gay water, make sure you go and you look that up. You go, if you're living in New York, go find yourself a case of it. Support our LGBTQ plus businesses. It is so important. Thank you for tuning in today. It has been a magical episode, and I love that you tuned in for them. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button if you enjoyed today's episode. I would love a star rating from you. If you want, you know, you don't have to. The Business Gay Podcast is written, produced, and edited by me, Callan Brecken. And if you're looking for some free SEO audit advice, you can head on over to callanbrecken.com forward slash audit and set one up with me or just click the link in the show notes. That's it for today. Peace, love, rainbows. Thank you.